Would we allow well drilling in the middle of Gross Morn National Park without an environmental assessment? Of course not. But this is the madness planned for the Newfoundland offshore. Oil drilling on an important marine refuge with almost no regulatory oversight. This week, the legal fight to stop it. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. This is episode 183. Thanks for your support via patreon.com and email transfer, migma.matters at gmail.com. We'll on. Hello from the Mi'kmaq Matters studio, as usual, speaking to you on Sunday afternoon when we record. You might be hearing us tomorrow if you're a patron or later in the week if you download the podcast or listen on radio. So we cannot tell you right now what will happen tomorrow, Monday morning, in the emergency debate in the House of Assembly on the troubled Terra Nova oil field. But the outcome of the debate is not the point. The incredible thing is that we are still at this point, considering putting hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars into an industry that has no future, cannot have any future because of the need to deal with climate change. Canada has legally committed to be at net zero emissions by 2050. There was even a few days last week when the provincial government was considering buying a part ownership in Terra Nova, just as oil companies were bailing from the business. Madness. But the taxpayer is not the only source of subsidies. Mother Earth is also picking up the tap. The Newfoundland and Labrador oil industry enjoys the most lax environmental regulation. It mostly regulates itself. Relief from the cost and time needed for environmental review is part of the business model for the Newfoundland offshore. The federal liberals, who present themselves as champions of the environment, are in on the dirty deal with the provincial government. In 2018, the Newfoundland Liberals announced they wanted to have 100 more exploratory wells on the go by 2030. The federal government is helping out by exempting the wells from regular environmental review, imposing conditions at the front end for the industry to police itself. That's the kind of Wild West approach that led to the largest ever oil spill in provincial history three years ago. 250,000 liters spilled at the Husky Oil Sea Rose platform, none recovered, and concerns that the operator was slow in reporting the spill. Now, 100 more oil wells like that, covering an area the size of Alberta, and that includes the Newfoundland Slope. The Newfoundland Slope is a marine refuge, 40,000 square kilometers, created to protect slow-growing, fragile, cold-water corals and sponges, which form important structures that provide essential habitat for young fish. Now, the Newfoundland Slope might be the address for a bunch of oil wells. Is this lack of environmental assessment for such risky development okay? That's the case before a federal court heard a couple of weeks ago. Our guest this week is one of the lawyers in that case, James Gunvaldson Clausen of the non-governmental organization Ecojustice in Halifax. I spoke with him about what's at stake in the case and the arguments he made to the court. 
Okay, James, so you were in federal court late last month, and I presume that was a virtual uh, hearing as these things are these days. That's right. Yeah, it was a virtual hearing. Took us two days to argue the case. Mm -hmm. You were in Halifax, and where was your judge? Our judge was, I believe, based in uh, Ottawa, although I'm actually not quite sure about that. He was either in Ottawa or Montreal. Yes, these days, uh, you never quite know sometimes. Um, So we're talking uh, today about uh, the way that environmental assessment is done, or we might say if environmental assessment is done for uh, offshore oil exploration off the coast of the island of Newfoundland. But uh, before we get to the to the legal case, let's um, tell listeners what exploration we're talking about. And I presume your concern is this uh, huge um, project the Newfoundland government has to encourage oil exploration off the coast. I think they've said 100 new wells by the year 2030. So this is this is your concern. Absolutely. That is a major concern, uh, especially in the midst of a climate crisis, that we are encouraging a vast new effort to develop many, many more exploratory wells when we should, just at the time, we should be, uh, uh, you know, uh, eliminating all new projects and and trying to uh, wean ourselves off fossil fuels completely. Of course, this is uh, a difficult area in which to have that kind of industrial operation. Uh, some of these wells are 350, 500 kilometers off the coast from St. John's. And I understand that some of the wells will be even farther out and in even deeper water. So we're dealing with high winds, um, ice, storms. So we're not dealing with tranquil, peaceful uh, environmental conditions all the time. Not, a, not at all. It's a very difficult area. The, the depths are quite extreme. Uh, the, the area itself stretches uh, in you know, Canadian waters, but also out into international waters. And it's a huge area. Um, the, the study area that was the subject of this, the regional assessment that's the sort of core of our case, uh, is, is an area uh, similar to the size of the province of Alberta in the offshore. It's a massive area, 735 thousand square kilometers. Now, people uh, looking at the uh, at the ocean out there, uh, no land as far as the eye can see, and they might think it's kind of like, um, you know, uh, just sort of like empty space, but it's actually, there's a, a very complicated ecosystem under that water um, in terms of um, uh, fish habitat and coral in some areas, I think. Uh, tell us about the the sensitivities, the uh, what's at risk uh, if this exploration goes ahead? Well, the area, as I said, is huge and it's a rich, complex and dynamic marine ecosystem. And because it's so large, it has many habitats and ecosystems within it. So it's not uniform where everything's the same from one spot to another. It's very different. Uh, And yet all the parts are connected and are affected by what happens inside and outside of the region. And so the, the area also contains marine refuges and particularly sensitive marine areas. And these areas are, are very easily damaged by drilling and other activities. And some of them can be permanently damaged by such activities. And notably within this area is, a, is another large area called the Northeast Newfoundland Slope. And it is a marine refuge. Uh, and uh, Canada claims credit internationally for protecting this area. But for inexplicable reasons, still allows drilling for oil to take place there. And it's, it's very inconsistent with calling it a protected area. Notably, it is close to fishing. However, 
oil activity is allowed. And uh, uh, so, and so it's a very, uh, it's a difficult area and it's something that is very much worth protecting and has to be off limits to drilling. Wow. That's, uh, that's interesting because it's almost, you know, we, it kind of reminds us of Donald Trump uh, wanting to drill for oil in national parks. So I, I think of a refuge as kind of like a, a park, except we're, we're in the ocean. So um, it seems very strange that we're drilling for oil in a, in a refuge. Exactly. And it's a very sensitive area. It's, it's, a, it's a key habitat to maintain ecosystem and life in, in, in that part of the ocean and in the Atlantic Ocean as a whole. And so uh, it, it needs to be protected. And that means fully protected, not just protected from some industries and not others. Hmm. Now, of course, the risks associated with, with drilling are many. I mean, as soon as the, uh, as the ship, uh, uh, I guess, shows up, um, you know, there's the risk of, um, of just... Um, of whatever comes out of the out of the boats, um, and then of course we have the the drilling and uh, whatever chemicals are used in the drilling, and um, and just the uh, the damage to the ocean floor. So it's a very um, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of angles in terms of the uh, of the environmental impact on activities such as this. That is correct, and and I mean there are just uh, many environmental uh, concerns and 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 uh, damage that can ensue from just regular routine activity of drilling, but of course the big concern is oil spills and massive uh, blowouts. And uh, there has been an oil spill in that offshore is every year since 2004, right up until 2020, and so it's a pretty much 100% certainty there's going to be an oil spill. And almost none of that oil is recoverable. And so these are major concerns, but they're really not accounted for. Mm. And I think uh, just about uh, the same time as the minister was making these changes that we're talking about, the, the largest oil spill in, uh, in Newfoundland and Labrador history took place. Um, as I recall, I think it might have been 250,000 barrels were spilled. And as you say, none recovered. And um, and despite that, uh, uh, we proceed uh, with these uh, with this drilling with um, with the flimsy um, assessment uh, that is planned. So let's let's talk about the the issue that got you uh, in court. Um, of course, our listeners will be familiar with environmental assessment and all that's involved in an environmental assessment, but here. The minister wants to uh, have a uh, a very slim um, uh, procedure where there's not much way in the way of environmental review, but more of a uh, more of a checklist. So tell us what uh, the uh, what how they want to review these projects and um, and what your issue is with that. Well, until this regulation came into place, the, the standard was you must have a, a, an environmental assessment for every uh, new exploratory well project. And that entailed a pretty substantial review and uh, was necessary, absolutely necessary, because every one of these wells is in a different spot and it must be assessed in the context of where it's going to be situated. It's not a generic territory where you can simply Put a well here or there and it doesn't matter uh you know uh it it, it it's very site specific and so site specific uh environmental assessments were the requirement but because of this regulation 
it has uh, made that, um, it has uh, exempted such projects from site-specific impact assessments under the new Impact Assessment Act. And instead, it's a simple process that involves meeting a few conditions that are preset from based on some uh, other environmental assessments. And there's really no public scrutiny involved. Uh, there's not even public involvement uh, required in any of that. So it's very much a closed door process conducted by the Canada Newfoundland Labrador Offshore Petroleum Board. And it's, uh, it's far less scrutiny than what we used to have. And that's a major concern the public has a serious interest in all of this and are excluded. Mm. And of course, uh, the Newfoundland uh, and Labrador government, when they released their plan to encourage all this drilling, they said they wanted to decrease the time between, as they said, between prospectivity and production. Um, so they want to narrow that time. So I suppose in a way it's uh, what the feds are doing is to, uh, is to assist the province in trying to fast track uh, these uh, these wells. Absolutely, they're trying to make this a quick process, and primarily by getting rid of the obstacles, so-called, of public participation in this project to express concerns. Which and uh, there are many, as we've talked about, and uh, it is meant to fast track. Uh, it's meant to get as much of this done before. Uh, it's absolutely required that all such activity ceases because we are to meet, reach net zero targets by 2050. Mm. And uh, it's a, very much a race to get as much done as you can until you absolutely have to stop. And that's not the way to deal with a climate crisis. It's pretty much the opposite strategy that is required now, which is a full-scale reduction in all such activities. Mm. It's interesting you mentioned that because as we're as we're talking about this, uh, there is discussion in the province about uh, whether there should be a subsidy to keep um, the uh, the Terra Nova oil field going. And uh, the province has said this week that uh, they're not going to give any public money or buy an equity stake in Terra Nova. And uh, so I guess there was a question about whether that oil field will operate again. So. I guess we can see this, uh, what we're talking about today, as another uh, subsidy, except it's, uh, <laughs> it's the environment uh, paying the price rather than the taxpayer. But it's a subsidy, none the same, because it's, uh, it's meant to um, you know, get these operations off the hook uh, in terms of, uh, of requirements. It, that is absolutely true. And the uh, oil and gas industry has received substantial public subsidies throughout its you know, history, but also, especially in the last year or so, there have been significant public subsidies and that's simply not acceptable in a climate crisis to be using our money and taxpayer money to subsidize something which is you know, a severe threat uh, to our environment and to our future. Mm. Now, um, you're waiting for the, uh, for the judge to uh, give down uh, the decision. And I suppose uh, it's, always hard to know when the decision would come. The decision will come when the judge is ready to give it, I suppose. And uh, you probably don't have much of an idea when, you just have to wait. That's right. I can't speculate on, uh, on when we'll get it. Uh, and we've given the judge a substantial amount to think about and to, to read. So we don't expect a, a quick decision. And, and frankly, it's, it's a serious issue. So we we're, 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 we're simply uh, ask that it be considered mm. very you know, fairly and thoroughly. And I suppose uh, the other, you can wait for the judge. And I suppose the other uh, 
thing that might um, maybe the market uh, will uh, will save that uh, that ecosystem. If uh, I don't know what the chances are of uh, these wells, uh, many of these wells going forward, but I suppose that's a uh, that's one hope that the economic reality will intrude and uh, saner, head, saner heads will prevail and these uh, very expensive, uh, very complicated uh, operations might not go into operation just because of economic reality, if not legal reality. Well, the future is arriving and the future is net zero by 2050. And so it's incompatible with uh, increased uh, activity in the offshore little or even sustained current activity in the offshore. It has to be reduced and eventually stop. That was James gunvaldson Clausen of the NGO Equijustice speaking to us from Halifax. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Listen to Mi'kmaq Matters wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a review. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for the latest Mi'kmaq news and views. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Nimaltus. <laughs>